Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time. Michael, I'm just going to interrupt you right there. Um, I think we should do some kind of disclaimer before the show mm. that whatever we say on this podcast it doesn't reflect for the Whitecaps uh, because clearly somebody heard it. Me saying that the Sporting Kansas City wasn't playing very well this year, and Alan Polito has been not very good so far yes. since MLS. So I think we should do that before we start the introductions. Funnily enough, when Polito did score two goals today, I did think of those comments that you made. Yes. So that is their disclaimer. We are not shaping the future of the Whitecaps. But you are indeed listening to There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm... Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Meisenheimer. And my aim this week, as it is most weeks, is to have a shorter show. So we don't go over the two hours. We don't go over the two and a half hours. Because who really wants to talk about the disappointing week anymore that the Whitecaps have had than us doing two shows on it in the space of four or five days. I, I, I don't think anybody does. But we will look at the Whitecaps' latest defeat against Sporting Kansas City on Sunday afternoon. We'll take a look around the rest of the MLS action this weekend. We'll look ahead to the next game in Houston. And I want to take us on some travels around the world for just some stories that's caught my eye this weekend. We'll have some musical interludes as well and a lot of fun, I'm sure. But before we get into all that, we're going to start off the show as we do with all the weekend shows with the gift that keeps on giving. It's Steve's Christmas present to myself and Zach. We're opening, if you haven't heard this before, the 2011 Upper Deck Football Card Packs that, that Steve got us a box off each. It makes for great listening in a podcast and, and on the radio, as I'm sure you can imagine. So what we're doing is, Zach and myself, we're opening a pack a week and then we're trying to build our best 11 from the packs that we open. The players that are in my team can't be in Zach's team unless I drop them and vice versa. So we, we, we'll kind of revisit it maybe in a couple of weeks as to who we've got in our, our starting lineup. But let's get on to this week's packs. And Zach has got his helper 
Kirk with him again, opening his packs. And once again, I'm Mr. Billy No Mates here, just opening mine up. Let's see what joys we have in store this week. Okay. I, oh, I, I will start one off with one of Steve's favourite goalkeepers of all time in MLS. He's lost his nut a couple of times, especially 10 years ago when Kansas City came to oh, Empire. Right. How how ironic that the Whitecaps were 3-0 down today and didn't come back for a 3-all draw. Of course, it's Jimmy Nielsen. Yeah. One of the, the best all-time commentaries, I think, from the Whitecaps MLS era. I have a player who played for Toronto, for sure. I think for Portland as well, maybe later. But this is his San Jose Earthquakes for, for, uh, card. It's forward Ryan Johnson. Remember him? Oh, yes, I do. Uh, I believe Jamaican. I've got a man from Philadelphia Union that just goes by one name. You know, like Pelly, just not as good. It's Fred. Crap name for a footballer, let's be honest. Fred. Speaking of a player who plays in blue, I have the Philadelphia Union's Roger Torres. Oh. Remember him? I do not I, remember. I, I, Midfield forward. Vaguely. Did he not go to Chivas for a bit as well? That might be another Taurus. I don't know. There's a few Tauruses. I have a, a legend of MLS next from Houston Dynamo, a defender. I don't think he'll make it into my team. It's Bobby Boswell. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the last guy, Roger Torres, he was on loan for Deportivo Cali in Colombia. Um, my next player is a defender who I do not remember, to be honest. Uh, he's wearing the Wiz on the front, but it's Sporting Kansas City. It's Birahim Diop. Oh, well, funnily enough, I also have a guy wearing a Kansas City Wiz top, but it's Sporting Kansas City. Now, get your booze ready, and I don't mean the alcoholic variety. Some may call him a traitor. They certainly did at Empire 10 years ago. It's Teal Bunbury. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Um, next I have, again, a guy who played for Toronto for sure. I think you have him already. It's midfielder Eric Avila from FC Dallas. I do, I do. My next one, Chicago Fire. He's a defender. Cody Gibbs. Oh, yeah, I have that card. I got that one. Uh, I have a defender who would definitely be, uh, he'd probably be in my squad, in my, like, 18 or, he's definitely in my 30-man squad, I think. He also kind of not like a legend in MLS. Not quite. Who was it you had earlier? Who was it you had that was the big defender? Bobby Boswell. Yeah, I think he might have played with him at DC. I could be wrong, but this is another Bobby defender, Bobby Burling from this is his San Jose Earthquake. Oh, I think I might also have him in my, my thing. <laughs> now, ironically, I had Fred earlier. Did you know he had a brother that played in MLS as well? Twin name of Fred? No, he's the younger brother of Fred, and he joined DC United, Junior Carrero. Oh, I have that one. I did not know that was Fred's younger brother. You know, the last one for me is a keeper who you already have. I remember you guys saying you didn't remember him. I clearly remember him. From Columbus Soccer Club, William Hesmer. Ah, the wreck of the Hesmer. This was not, a, this was not an outstanding pack, I'm not going to lie. No, I've had better ones too, but... I don't, I don't know if it's, It might be actually... This might be my worst one, maybe. We might have peaked already, although you've still got some good ones to come. 
Oh, we but, both have some wake-ups. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, I've got loads actually still to come out of this. But that's our packs for this week. You'll be glad to know we've raced through it. But you haven't tuned in to hear us just opening football cards, although that may be preferable to us talking about what played out at Children's Mercy Park. In Sunday afternoon, there was very little mercy shown for the Whitecaps in this one from Sporting Kansas City. Only to be expected, I think, because our travels there have not been happy. The Whitecaps went down to what I would describe as a a pretty heavy 3-0 defeat because they didn't really feel at the races at all. They were overwhelmed, was one way that it was described post-game. And it was just, it it just was not a, a, a great outing today, Steve. Yeah, it looked like the the Whitecaps had no legs this uh, this I was going to say this morning. It, it was obviously morning for them uh, for, compared to the time they started. Um, I don't recall was did they they didn't travel this day, right? They traveled. No, the they, they traveled this day. yesterday. And yeah, they stayed so, overnight, which is so, usually it gives them. So they can't use that as an excuse. And Mark said well, afterwards, "There's yeah. no excuse for that because we, they traveled. They were well rested, but they they definitely yeah. looked flat again." Maybe they need to do the thing where they go come in first thing in the morning or something like that. Maybe it's better off for them. But um, it was just a, a sluggish game. Sporting Kansas City, they were on the front foot the whole time and they pressured and pressured. There's something about that team in Vancouver that they have Vancouver's number every single mm-hmm. time. It's like the team that they don't want to play. And during the game, it made me cringe when I heard that Canada had to play all their gold cup yes, games. They, they've got I'm their... I'm just worried that might rub off on the Canada. Uh, yeah, this they've got their three group games there. But well, I mean, the one thing—the one thing I want to say though about this game is that it was very difficult to watch, not because of the game, because of the commentary. Once well, I again, didn't, I didn't really. I no, didn't just really hearing pay their, too much attention to it. Just today. hearing their voices. Just hearing oh their voices. well, yeah. Steve, you should just join me on on Zoom for this one. Oh, well, I had to I had to do some other stuff, so I did, wasn't listening intently to that. I, shut, I, the, I always shut the commentary off so I can talk with the people I'm watching. Yeah. The game. I we have, have the match report, so we have some wonderful com- conversations because yeah, no, I, I was yeah, I was in there I was in there the first week and I enjoyed it. This yeah, is, well, that, yeah, it was fun. Dude, we had a great we had a great yeah. Marvel conversation again today. It was really good. Yeah, I, I wasn't invited to one of them, and then uh, I haven't been I, able to. I was. <laughs> I, well, I know I invited you, but on a place that you never looked. That was my. I bad. know. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, Zach, let's just get back to the game here, and not, not the Zoom call. But, I mean, one thing I thought about, like Steve touched on it there. I was just thinking about it this afternoon. Kansas City are kind of like a measuring stick for the Whitecaps because until we start closing the gap when we play them, it's not showing any advancement. Yes, there was a nil-nil draw at MLS's back last year, but that was a weird tournament yep. in general, yep. and it wasn't a great performance. But I mean, what did you come away from the game today, just thinking in general? Well, you know, I think everyone came away thinking like, you know, the Whitecaps or what they're spending on their squad are really getting a lot out of them. I think that's <laughs> what everyone came away thinking, and I hope that's what everyone thinks the whole season long. Like. For paying the least amount of money to their to their players, they're just they're getting like they're reaching their ambitious heights. There were a lot of comments on on social media about you get what you pay for, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is like it was always going to happen as soon as those figures came out. On on, on another note, congratulations to Mainz who have avoided the drop in the Bundesliga. I think. Uh, oh, did they? Yeah, I think 
I, well, yeah, I, yeah, I think that uh, Schuster will be be happy with that. Huh. But well, no, I mean, well, no, the, the white cap, the white caps were, yeah, be, behind the races today. Like they, they were just not, they were just not good. Um, they they seem to go from their most complete game, which was still a loss on Wednesday. But you came away yeah. from that one thinking positive thoughts. We were quite upbeat when we we did the post game show for that one. This was their most incomplete. I, I would say, and it ended up in a in a bigger loss. But it's hard to come away from this one feeling very optimistic. I mean, do, do you put it down to just a blip or are, are there serious concerns in your I'm, head? I'm halfway in between. I'm not seriously concerned because Sporting Kansas City is a good team. They haven't been performing up to what they usually are, but they are a good team. So eventually they were going to... Um, show their best wares, and obviously it was against the white caps. It was going to happen. Oh yeah, you can rely um, so, on the white caps to give confidence boosting performances but, but, to struggling teams. But maybe it says actually more about what Minnesota is because Minnesota maybe is not as good as we thought, and that's why Vancouver was able to put a good performance against them. So Minnesota, I don't know. Minnesota got another win today, right? Yeah, but it yeah. was in the last last uh, injury time. Yeah, the dying dying throws of that one. And, and FC Dallas is probably the worst team in the Western Conference, right? By, by my win the win, right, Michael? Yeah, take take a win any day. One of the things when when I look at the Whitecaps game from today is you can see, uh, and it, it feels like it wasn't today. It feels like it was a long time ago. Already. Yeah, I don't like an eleven a.m. start. If you a serious comment on the the, the depth the, the the quality of the the, the depth of the squad, I mean, uh, they were forced into a couple changes today that showed how lacking the the depth really is, right? Well, when yeah. you saw that bench, it, yeah, it's like that bench had very little difference makers on it. Two keepers. Was it the depth of quality or the dearth of quality? Yeah. Yes. But, but that difference of one letter. Mm. You see, you've seen a few glimpses already from Gaspar that are encouraging and exciting, and it's just it's too small of a size to you know determine how you know what his overall contribution might be like going forward or long term, or for however long he's in Vancouver. But man, it was hard to watch Jake Narinsky today. He, yeah. he was not good. Jake got baked. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there, there was three changes to the starting lineup. We expected that there would be some changes. Two of them were enforced, and they were the defensive ones. Andy Rose has an abductor strain, and Bruno Gaspar came off injured midweek. Now, Derek Cornelius coming in, not 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 a bad player coming in, lots of experience. Jake Nowinski coming in, not a bad player, lots of experience. But mm. with Jake... Having Ryan Raposo in front of him was an absolute nightmare because that's not like I, I came away from it thinking, like genuinely thinking. I put this in the rundown and I, I, I've thought more about it. I was like, is Ryan Raposo really MLS quality? Should yeah. he be starting? But then I was thinking, you know what? That isn't his position. Yeah. He's not a guy that should be expected to be doing defensive shifts like that. And no, he's a, he's a winger, not a midfielder. Yeah, so I mean, it's he was put difference. in a position that was really difficult for him, and he struggled. And it meant that Jake didn't have any help in front of him, and it it showed up Jake all his all his weaknesses, all his flaws. And Kansas City clearly, when they saw that, knew what they wanted to do because their attacks were constantly going up the left side. Yeah, and I, th I think personally, I think Ryan Raposo didn't play much last year. 
hasn't played very much this year. So he's like, uh, he needs a loan somewhere uh, to, to get out of here and, and then play, a, get way more time to get more acclimated to the professional game. Cause I, even I he's think he's been the guy that's it, been coming on this year though. Yeah. But I, I think in, in, even in, uh, within college, he was playing in the middle. I don't even think I'm going to, I can't recall how much he played on the wing, maybe a little bit here and there, but it was a lot in the mid during up the middle. So mm. that's uh, again, out of position. I know I'm not blame, I'm not, taking the blame away from him, but uh, there is some there. Now, Jake, on the other hand, has played a lot at right back and has shown very little upward movement in quality or anything like that. He's basically stagnant at this point. I don't know if it's because he's been stuck in Vancouver and maybe a move for him would be the best thing because it gives him a fresh new place to play and maybe different tactics and something, and maybe something that fits his, uh, his style of play. But right now, he's not fitting well in Vancouver, and when he got taken off, and the person who replaced him, I think it was Brown. Javain Brown, yeah. Yeah, and he was so much better yeah. than what Jake was. So I think there has to be, I think for Jake's sake, oh, I didn't mean to rhyme there. Uh, for Jake's <laughs> uh, uh, and for the Whitecaps, I think there needs to be a move somewhere very soon. But yeah, I, I was going to say, obviously the, the score and the situation of the game played a factor in it, but yeah, Brown looked, uh, <laughs> Brown looked more competent in the 20 whatever minutes or however long he got there at the end of the game looked much better. The problem, see the problem with Jake though is, and this is, I mean, you, you'll be able to name at least one player I think pretty quickly is, is how they've made him a part of so many other things away from the field that makes it harder for them to, uh, I think, move him or get rid of him or whatever, because they put so much value on him, whether it's his abilities or his, what you know, what he does for the squad or the team building or whatever, or these things that he does off the field, right? Which are all great things. Don't get me wrong, but I think that that stuff makes it harder to to move him. And I then think have him he, have him retire and hire him as president. <laughs> I think uh, I think that kind of stuff is also why you see him getting paid more than mm. obviously worth in this league. Well, we'll we'll, we'll come back to to Brown a, a little bit later on. Let's let's delve into. The, the game here I mean KC started on the front foot they looked a better team they looked more likely but the best of the early chances really fell to Cava who had a flicked header within the six yard box and about nine minutes in which he tried to kind of float it over Melia but it just couldn't get enough on it that was a, a decent enough chance but then after that KC just took over Shelton hit the side netting, Espinosa had a shot that Max saved, Saloy had a, a shot across goal that just went past the far post, and you think, well, they learned from that, and the answer was no, because less than a minute later, Shaloy again, nice one-two with Polito, finishes it nicely past Max, 1-0, watching it back, it was so infuriating, this four Whitecaps players standing, watching Daniel Saloy just go and collect the return pass, not making any movement towards the ball or to him. It was, oh, it was just staggering. And this is for me where um, Jake uh, was a little culpable. He did not track back enough. And once uh, Saloy made that pass, and I think it came off a white cap too. I don't even know if it came off Leo. I'm not sure about that. Toledo didn't got, get the credit for the assist, so probably. Well, I, I, so it came, I think it came off a white cap, but um, uh, Jake, as soon as uh, Saloy made that pass, Jake just stopped in his tracks and just started watching. But Ranko he wasn't did, alone. 
No, but Ranko did a little bit. But Ranko, I think, was trying to uh, see the path of the ball. But it was, Jake, it was Jake's man, and Ranko should have followed him up on it too. Yeah. But, but they were just stopped as soon as the pass was made. They stopped thinking, "Oh, the shot's going to come from the middle, or somebody's going to take care of it." Uh, but those two were definitely the ones that um, had a big mark in that first goal. But that, that lack that, of movement, Zach, at that at this level to just have four guys stand watching a ball, it's unacceptable. And when Mark watches this back, he is going to be fuming, I think. Oh, yeah, right away. So the people I was watching it with were just like, oh, like that was, the, I mean, one of the early signs of how bad Jake was on the day. The, the fact that uh, lethard, like he was lethargic or, yeah, slow to respond or just not, you know, didn't respond. It, we talked about it as we watched the back of the replay. It was just like, it was a nice play if you're Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Whitecaps, it's, you can't get beaten by that kind of play. As a professional level, you can't get you can't get flat-footed or stop on a play like that and just allow them to one-two by you or like touch touch simple touch pass by you because they're literally just moving in normal like the normal ways you would when you're in and around goal. Like it, it was again, Cincinnati or Kansas City. You're watching that. And you're like perfect, just how we train. Yeah. You're the Whitecaps. You're watching that, and you're like, man, we got caught really, really poorly here. I mean, it's, it's the same player that had just had a chance a minute before from pretty much the same position, and you just let him waltz in. But, I mean, it wasn't the only time that they had slow reaction and a lack of movement, and we'll, we'll come to that. Four minutes later, it was 2-0, and by that point, it felt already game over. Polito puts home a penalty after Raposo brings Saloy down in the box. There wasn't a lot of contact, but he he obstructed him. He stopped the the foot and the movement. Uh, he it's always going to go down in a situation like that. I don't have any complaints with the penalty. Raposo back there defending. He's not the guy that you're wanting making tackles like that in the box. And but it had been a big scramble before that as well. And it's like you sensed KC knew that the blood was in the water. They were just waiting to kill off the Whitecaps at that point. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you already mentioned, but Max said earlier, I already made like a huge save in this game. And yeah, that was the one of Espinosa. Right. Sorry, Espinosa. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know what? I, I actually felt the penalty is a little bit harsh, and maybe, uh, you know, I'm not a referee. I was watching with the referee, uh, or he, the referee came on with the call later. But I, I felt like you know, he literally just went to go go get the ball and then the guy kicks his leg right so mm. it was it's, it's not one of those where you make contact with a player it's where you're trying to block a play and you put yourself in a way and then the player makes contact with you and i just thought when i saw the slow down replay i thought well there's a chance they overturned this and then but it, i mean it all happened so so quickly so i felt i felt bad for Raposo on that one and again like you were saying before michael i saw a bunch of the people who were less like is he at this level and i too think it's really early days and yeah his role in this league might be uh super sub like that might be all he ever does i I don't think he's a starter but we need to see him get a run like steve says in his proper position totally and this is where a reserve team would do so much for guys like this if we could get this reserve team playing which I, i guess there's nothing to stop them having some some games down down there like just arranging some friendlies or something. Yeah, there's plenty of teams to play. Even in, in, in like a place like uh, Utah, there's plenty of teams that yeah. are able to play. I mean, what did you think it was a penalty, Steve? 
I, I agree with Zach. I think it was a little harsh. I can see where um, in the moment it was, but definitely um, I'm assuming if it was Alan Chapman in the uh, reviewing, there might have been some kind of reversal. I don't know. Uh, if he well, it would have been if it was for the white cap, so he definitely oh, that's wouldn't good have reversed point. it. No, good point. But uh, I think I think I think it, I personally think that it's one of those things where we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where uh, if you, it's a lot of people get their foot in front, yeah, uh, or behind to somebody's foot and then try to kick into it and then take the shot. I I don't feel like there was very much impeding. It was just more of a clash. It, it's in, also in, it's clever from it, the attacker as well. Yeah, it's like exactly. experienced to know. Oh, I'll, and then I'll just go down and. But I mean that that was pretty what? much the end of it for Raposo because he he was subbed off four minutes after that. But yeah. the problem, but the problem there is for me that that play is that they should never have been in that position where nobody was in front of Saloy where no. he had to get his foot in because they they there struggled was... to clear the ball to begin with yeah. and it, they just exactly. did not ease the pressure at all. Yeah, I mean um, I, I I can't remember what game I was watching. I think I want to say it was the Colorado game yesterday. They brought on one of their young homegrowns. And he knew to kick the ball into the stands to, to clear the danger. And he had just been on the field for seconds and he's just a young kid. So, yeah. I mean, this is... The Whitecaps need to to learn. Just It's fine to kick it in at row Z. You don't just have to try and keep it in play. Uh, no, I was just going to ask about the Raposo sub. Like, did you guys feel it was right? Yeah, at that point, I felt it needed... It needed something, and they needed to shore up that midfield. So, I mean, they switched from the 4-4-2 to the 4-3-3 with it, and it really worked, I felt. I think MDS might be maybe just sacrificed Raposo. I don't know how upset he was at Raposo, but he had to sacrifice somebody, and Raposo was the guy to do it, be be the one taken off. I don't think he was... I I, am believing that MDS does not fully blame Raposo for the whole, like, beginning part of the game. I, I, I think... That was cl- just clearly a, a tactical substitution because they needed to get a, a ball-playing midfielder in there, which was Baldissimo. He came on, he did well. And like after they after he came on, after they, they switched to 4-3-3, they, they had a midfield that was actually being effective. It was breaking down the, the lines well that Casey had put up. They were having an impact. They were... They were taking the pressure off the, the Whitecaps' defence. And they, the last 10 minutes of the half, the Whitecaps were in the ascendancy. Not enough to really get a chance to to get on the score sheet, Zach, but I, I thought they did much, much better with that switch. Yeah, I felt like more like they had a good influence on the game. But, uh, no, it really shaped things and, and helped at least a little bit. The, the other thing with that uh, uh, as well... After the game, MDS was asked, is 4-3-3 uh, a formation you might consider? And he's like, of course. And I think that would have been a better option from the start. We talked about it midweek, like going 4-3-3 or going 4-5-1 the, to, to kind of negate the strengths that Kansas City have. I felt you needed a strong midfield in there and they didn't start the game with a strong midfield. By the by, the time they made the switch, I mean it. It felt like game over. Obviously, one goal could could have changed it, and I guess that that goal could have come five minutes after half time. The Whitecaps' best chance of the match. I I don't know what Elia was doing. His attempt at just pissing about the back is blocked down by Cavallini. The ball comes to Dahomey in front of goal this week. It was Caicedo before. 
and this week it was Dahomey, Melia comes racing out, and when you see the angle, like, from just looking at the goal, there was so much room for Dahomey just to chip the ball, but instead he just blasts it over. And I don't know if that would have changed the game much if it had gone in, but it certainly felt like a huge missed opportunity, Steve. Yeah, that that could have um, put some pressure on Kansas City to make more mistakes, uh, or it could have egged them on to get more goals. I don't know. Um, but definitely it would have at least put some confidence in the Whitecaps um, and to, to get, push them forward uh, for belief uh, that they could possibly get a result out of the game. But for for the guy, like, we've talked to Homie up a lot on the show, Zach, and for him to get that opportunity there and blast it over like that, and he's not been the only one. All the forwards seem to have a, an issue with composure just now. I mean, these players are in MLS for a couple, one of a few reasons. Yeah, that one, crossed my mind as well. One of them is because of their consistency, which we've talked about over and over throughout the years. Some of them are here because it's the best payday they can get. Some of them are here because it's the, the best opportunity for them to develop. Some of them are because they they either from North America or want to play in North America. There's a whole bunch of reasons. But, yeah, I think Dahomey is one of those players. It's it's probably a little bit more of his consistency. If he was more consistent, he would probably be playing in a better league at a higher level, making more money, all that kind of stuff. However, he has been one of the more consistent white caps. And mm-hmm. I, I, as much as he, yeah, he shouldn't have missed the way he missed today, I still would say he is uh, by far, to me, most exciting attacking player in the 2021 season oh absolutely it's like he's like head and shoulders above everyone else in that white caps lineup just now but when when you create create so few opportunities it's hard for me to rag on on him for for being the one who's done some missing yeah but i mean the composure in front of goal from the whole team i i don't know what you put that down to i don't know how you go about changing it is it just going to be a, a confidence case that once the first one goes in, they're going to be a little bit more confident? But they, they just have to do something to be more composed in front of goal. If they're not creating that many chances as it is, they have to take the chances that they get. I think they just need to be asked every day by every media person, <laughs> every player and every coach. And then they'll, I think that'll spur them on. Definitely. There'll be, there'll be great music playing in the locker room the day that happens. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you how do you get that composure, Steve? It's it's easier said than done. You they're, have they're not to, missing them on purpose. No, you and you you just you do, but you do have to um, you do have to take it like basically you take a hundred shots a day. Um, I know that uh, 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 the player that we weren't supposed to speak their name of, Camilo, um, it, uh, when he was getting better, he would work with Carl Robinson. And, and and become a better striker. I remember Camilo actually thanking Carl Robinson yeah. for all the extra training and everything like that. Um, so you do have to take those shots. I don't. They probably do do those drills, but getting the composure in, in real life game and doing drills is going to be two different things. It's just a matter of getting through it and hitting them on the spot. They, listen, our the Whitecaps uh, forwards or wingers or whatever are not the only players in this world. Even in the top leagues, people have missed shots wildly. It's oh, just yeah. a matter of hitting those shots when you get them and not missing everyone wildly. If only we had someone like Breck Shea to, to <laughs> so consistently. I'm sure we'll, we'll come to Breck later on this show. 
But I mean, after that mess, Casey then turned the screw. Zussi had a shot that Max saved with his legs at, the, at his near post. There was a scramble in the box that ended up seeing Max make two saves and Polito blocking a shot on the goal line. And you're thinking, yeah, third goal's coming. And it did. 58th minute, Polito gets the ball wide open. Like the, the most dangerous man on the KC side gets to collect the ball on the edge of the box. No one around him. And again, no movement. No, no one's movement. going towards him. No one's trying to close him down, and he just slots it into the bottom corner. Was it Ranko that was the closest to him, if I'm not mistaken? Or I think he was the closest I to him. I think it was. I'd have to but see he, it again. And, was, he, and he kind of. I think there was he, three white caps that did not move, and no one was yeah. tracking the run of Pulido yeah. either. Yeah, and I, but I think it was Ranko, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Uh, correct me uh, if I am. But I, I, I think he just put a leg out. A kind of a soft leg and not really uh, made any movement towards Polito. That's why Polito had all the time in the world to take that shot. And Max more time was, than he should have got it. Max was pissed. But yeah. I mean, Zach, y- you can't leave a guy like Polito wide open on the edge of the box like that. Yeah, well, I mean, unless you listen to us and think that he's rubbish uh, right now. No, who would think uh, that? No, he was struggling. Struggling, yeah. No, I mean, it was... Uh, it was poor. You, you can't do that. You're gonna get, you're gonna get punished, and they got punished today. Uh, you know, on that on that play in the game as in the game as a whole. It's um, like too, too much ball watching. They're just like standing yeah. stationary, and that's I just don't get it. Totally. I, 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 at this point, I don't think Kansas City is a measuring stick. I think more they're beating stick. <laughs> I also last week on the show I joked about another six nil game, and to be honest, today there were a couple of times where I thought, oh no, this this could be yeah. Really- so- so the white cap succeeded your expectations then. <laughs> I mean, after that, it was definitely game over. There was no way the white caps were getting back into it. And KC took their foot off the gas a little bit. There wasn't really too much after that. I mean, some subs were made. Javane Brown came on for Jake Nowinski, as we talked about, made his debut. Looked solid, had a header that flashed wide. And like, just going back to, to that just now, if you've got Gaspar as your starter and you've got a guy like Brown that is a very serviceable backup and an international as well, let's not forget he's played for Jamaica at all levels, including senior level. You don't need three of those guys on the squad. Yeah, and I, I started uh, uh, like as soon as <laughs> like around this time when I once I saw Brown and the way he was playing, I started playing... Uh, uh, armchair technical manager or, or technical <laughs> whatever manager and um i was thinking the best deal uh, for the whitecaps at this point um is uh jake for uh, an american uh, or or canadian if they can find a winger somebody another player mm-hmm. that can play up top and that way you got uh, bruno and and um and uh Jaren brown on one side you got gutierrez and ali adnan if he ever comes here on the other side and then, so um, I think that yep, that, that way you don't have to swap. That that way you don't, and you maybe put a little bit of that all that gam they have uh, lying around in that deal. Yeah, but here's the problem. Well, here's one of the problems about that is they have. It's like they've waited pa- pa- way past the sell by date with Jake or yeah. the best before date. Well, like, that's why I'm saying add. That's, that's why I'm saying add some stuff in there in order to yeah yeah yeah. Because yeah. I mean it, that, that that is the problem because. If the Whitecaps are wanting to get rid of him, 
Well, I mean, I not saying they are. They are. Yeah. They are. They're there. But like, like, the, hypothetically, let's just say they were. Other teams are going to be like, well, they clearly need him off their books because they've got three right backs and he hasn't been performing. And he so makes not fun. a lot of value. Yeah. No, but that's why that's why you give Gam so you make it less money for yeah. the, uh, the the other team to pay for him. Or I mean, it's a capable backup to to some team in this league, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. But of course, it's early days with Brown because we we need to see him in a few more games. But Brown also has the capability of playing centre back as well. Yeah. So that there's that going for him. Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, Eric Godoy made us some appearance as well. So fingers crossed, we can finally get to see him. MDS did say during the week that this game would maybe be too far for him to be a starter. Houston is a possibility. But we'll come to that in the next part. But it was at least if good P to see him back on the pitch. Theo Bear made an appearance too. Yeah. Now, the, the whole subs, this was the first time they used all five subs. And it was the weakest bench as well, I think, that they've possibly had out there all season. When you looked at that bench, I touched on this earlier, before the game, you're thinking, if they need to make, I'd bring on a difference maker here, who on earth is it going to be? Now, there's obviously still issues with Ricketts, there's clearly some issues with Egbo as well, because I think it shows how much we're lacking in the striking department. So Theo is the only guy you could bring on to, to for some kind of striking uh, impact, and it's like, I... If he's not been playing, I don't think you can expect him to suddenly come on and turn it on. No. Um, with the four subs in the second half, they all felt like they all felt like the game's over. Here's some players who need some match practice, yes. match fitness, or a chance to prove himself, even if it's ten minutes for Theo Bear. Yeah. And and so that's what like so it was like the game's over. Let's, let's yeah try a empty, empty the bench basically. Yeah, like watching the Seattle LAFC game tonight, Seattle brought on their 16-year-old homegrown guy for his debut in stoppage time whilst two goals up. And I'm thinking, that's what the Whitecaps need to do. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, we're never two goals up and uncomfortably seeing a game out. That's why we've never been able to do that for the last few years. But I mean, overall, it was a horrible performance, probably the worst of the season. MDS said they were overwhelmed in the, the first half hour. Max said they were simply outplayed, and it's hard to argue with that. They they were. We, we said at the start, KC have the Whitecaps number. Peter Vermees knows how to get his team to perform. Imagine how bad this could have been if Johnny Russell had played. I know. I texted you that. I yeah. I, I, I know we're joking about that, but like seriously, imagine how bad this could have been if the guy that puts us to the sword... And like some of the, I, I don't think KC were anything special, really. Like they weren't spectacular. But as soon as that first goal went in, that was it. I mean, you, you thought it was over. So we touched a little bit on what MDS said. Let's just hear a little bit from both head coaches just now. So first of all, we'll hear from Kansas City's Peter Vermees. Then we'll hear from the Whitecaps, Mark DeSantis. Yeah, it was a complete game by us from the opening whistle. We were excellent. Um, in our movement of the ball, we were excellent in our movement off the ball, created some very good chances, you know, for us to score two goals at half before the half. Um, I think that says a lot. By the time you go in for halftime, you can 
sort of get your wits about you. They made a little bit of a change late in the half. They made a sub about the 35th minute, change of formation. And then we just, you know, made a couple adjustments, uh, nothing huge, just made a couple of little adjustments, but um, really wanted to kind of stay in the same same vein as what we stayed on. And so that's what we were that's what we were working towards. But the guys were very good on both sides of the ball. Well, they moved more to a 4-3-3. Um, in the beginning, they were playing a 4-4-2, uh, and they moved to a 4-3-3. And so it was just it was just for us in, in seeing where the where the you know where the where the areas of operation were. I won't go into the, too much detail, but it was just that it was a formation change that that um, we had to make sure that we sorted out for ourselves and we're all on the same page with it. Um, and then the other thing is is that I think that also the speed in which we moved the ball around was 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 a real key factor in the game today. My expectation is every time that we step on the field that we play the way we did today. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. You know, we've we've uh, it's been it's just early on in the season, but we've had a couple of performances that are very similar to this one in that we've we've been dominant um, in the game and we've played very close to uh, the style of play in which we want to. And I think when we do that, um, it yields results like it did today. Well, today was our, our hardest day this season uh, as a team. Uh, we looked overwhelmed in the first 25 minutes. Um, we struggled. They came out at us uh, in waves, and it made it very difficult for us. And when we won the ball, uh, we weren't able to get out of pressure. Um, then when you're 2-0 down, we, we thought about how we were reading the game, things that were happening in the midfield, uh, and we needed a player that would allow us to get out of pressure. That's why the decision on on bringing Baldi in. Um, and when we did that, I think the last 15 of the second half gave us um, a second win and hope that we could come in in the second half and, and score a goal to, to kind of change um, the balance of the game. We have a huge chance uh, in the second half with Dajo. Uh, in front of goal, ball ball going in could change a little bit the dynamic. Uh, we weren't able to score, and then um, they got the third one. But I think that overall, uh, we we played a team that was better uh, than us tonight, and a team that deserves uh, the three points. Uh, and now we have to to react and get out of this uh, this uh, this this game. Learn from this game and not not throw away everything we did until this game and try to to see what we could do now to to get to a next step in games like that there's uh, something we need more to do to create more opportunities where it's an area of the game that we're struggling with you know and we have to to find solutions inside the roster uh, that's why we brought uh, baldi to see how it could look with two number eights going going higher on the field and um we also at some point brought cam to play between lines but let's not forget cam is still very young and still in development he's not going to be right away uh, our solution he needs time to develop and grow um and that's what we tried to do but look this week that's the answers we need to that's the questions we need to answer this week see what can we do right now to to create more, to generate more? But of course, that if you look at the two away games in Minnesota and in Kansas City, 
I think there was enough actions for us to score some goals. So the gaffers there, just giving their thoughts uh, about the match. We don't want to talk too much more about it. There's a couple of other things that, that I, I do want to, to bring up. Like the general defending. So we, we've slated them in, in our recap of the game there. But you've got to remember heading into this one, they're the second best defensive record in all of MLS West. But I think this week, second half against Minnesota today, it showed... I, initially, I was going to say the importance of Andy Rose back there, but it's the importance of ex, an experienced head and leadership. And that kind of j- brings me to a general thing of who are the leaders on the team? Because afterwards, Mark DeSantis was talking about it's a young team and you needed somebody to step up and they, they have to get somebody to, to, to be the person that steps up. Who are the leaders on the team? And if Andy Rose isn't the guy that is going to be your starting centre-back and he's not going to be back there, who who marshals that defence? Who leads that defence? That's a, that's a really good really good question because as much as I've kind of ragged on the fact that he's, a, he's starting in the midst of the absence of other players, uh, it, it's both – it shows what he's contributed this year, but it also, again, is a sad state of affairs for, for where they're at. Uh, I think when you talk about leadership on the field, I, I think whatever, again, whatever people think or say about him, I think Russell Tybert shows shows leadership, shows yeah. a lot of heart. Uh, he has obviously given a, a, a break today. Max wore the armband. Raposo came in. We talked about how that <laughs> worked out, uh, you know, playing on the other side than Russell, Russell usually plays on. But, yeah, I, like who – I mean, Cava up front obviously is a wise person, but he's not going to be – he's not going to be marshalling or instructing or – no. Or, like uh, it's a different he's a different perspective on the field and then in midfield uh you have uh Bickle and Alec, uh Caillou in the middle who you know they're new to well, Caillou's new to the league Bickle, yeah, and his English is not that great either for being the guy I mean like and everyone rags on Michael Bradley but when you've got a Michael Bradley in your team you know what leadership you're getting with Michael Bradley, I don't rag on him. I just take the rag and rub it on his head, you know, um, like a bowling ball. But um, you know, you're—I mean, you're right. Like you do need—you do need. It's very helpful to have someone who's your on-field leader, right? When you think of the the ten years of MLS for the Whitecaps, yeah. Like again, lots of people debate some of the players, but you look at a Jada Merritt, right? And what one of the intangible or maybe very tangible things he brought was his leadership from the back, his communication, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Kendall Watson. He was not. He was a little bit quieter, but still, you know, really gave leadership at the back. Um, Andy O'Brien. Andy O'Brien. Yeah, Andy O'Brien. The maybe the best, most experienced example they've had of someone, you know, giving giving leadership at the back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know where else it's. I don't know where else it's coming from. You know, uh, of, the, of the players who are on there. I mean, that, that was always the danger with having a, a young, inexperienced team. Is like, where does the leadership come from? And when you've put that to, like, MDS or other players in the past, like, 
Russell's like, I've got 10 years experience in this league. There's the leadership. Daniel Henry before was like, yeah, just because I'm younger doesn't mean I haven't got leadership. But we need these guys to, to show it and we need somebody to step up. And it was very evident today. It did not feel like there was any leadership on that, that park a, at all. And tying that into the midfield then. Now, we, we talked, this is the last thing we'll talk about in this part. So we've talked about how can we get the goals coming from open play. Chances are getting created. The finishing's been poor. But this midfield needs to click more. It needs to do better at holding the line. It needs to do better at breaking down opposition lines. And you've got a team like KC that was pressing hard and it was only when they made the switch that, that things worked. What what do you see going forward until we get this number 10? If we get this number 10. 4-3-3 for you? Keep with the 4-4-2. If you go, if they go to a 4-3-3, you, you, who are you playing in the middle there? You're playing Caillou for sure. Wosu if he's fit and either Bickle or Russell. So it's or Baldy. Or sorry, or Baldy, yeah, good, good, good choice. So there, it's going to be compact in the middle. But those, those, whoever you play on the wing, and this is where again I think Raposo would have some trouble. Diber, uh, Caicedo might. Um, is you need those players, or Dahomey, I guess, could be one of those wingers, and maybe he would be a little bit better. Is you need them to play def- def- to defend, right? You can't have three free players on the pitch who are just hoping that the other eight are taking care of the defense. You know, like you. <laughs> You need, you need, so it's not just the formation, it's, it's the roles and the qualities that those play, players have. I mean, the number 10 isn't going to cure all of the Whitecaps woes. You know, I think no. a lot of people think it will. I think, I don't know if you, if you heard this with the same filter that I heard it today, but it was interesting. And maybe he's done it before and I missed it or whatever. In his post game press conference, it was interesting to hear MDS talk about, you know, the players we have on the roster, our solution will come yes, from the players we have I, on the roster. I yeah. Which, which two, a couple of things. One, it doesn't sound like someone else is coming anytime soon. Two, um, it reminded me, Carl Robinson used to do this both very uh, implicitly and occasionally explicitly, talk about this is all I've been given to work with. This is this is all I, I can only work with what I'm allowed to, you know, the, the roster I've been given or the funds I've been given or whatever. And it, to me, I, I'm I'm probably reading into it, but it felt like one or both of those things. No, I. Th- this is what I took into it, going as well with what Mark said before, and going with some of the discussions that I've had with Mark before, and we we touched on this on Wednesday's show. Mark likes a settled starting lineup if he can, with very little changes. So does Ranko. <laughs> yes. But then what I'm reading into what he said today is I've got my set starting 11, but they're not all here. They're not all good to go. So I have to make the most of who I have. And because of that, we can't compete when I haven't got my my set starting 11 out there. That's a fair, fair interpretation as well. Yeah. It, it smacked to me because he did make a kind of comment about competing with the likes of KC, I don't know if that was today or if that was in the build-up to this, about, oh, we haven't got the we haven't got the players when we're not at full strength to compete with the likes of KC. I genuinely think that is true. But then that raises what we started off talking about, this depth 
or the dearth of the depth is simply not there. And that is a big concern. We're relying so much on homegrown guys. And then Mark addressed that post-game as well about he brought Cam on. And he's like, you've got to remember, Cam is a development player. So he's a development player, but he's one of the, the only people that he could have reached to at that point to try and bring on to change the game with who was on the bench. I think that kind of says it all. So maybe we're being too harsh on just one performance. It is concerning if we can't get all our guys fit and healthy and ready to go. I am I was prepared anyway to, to kind of write off this first phase up to the Houston game. Yeah. Until we got all these guys back, after all the international stuff, ready to go. To be honest, I don't think we're really going to see the proper Whitecaps until August onwards. After or, the Gold uh, Cup's out of the way. Oh, yeah, good point. Transfer yeah. window, all that. Like how, yeah. and, but how is that acceptable, Michael? Well, it's, it's, it's not, right. but I mean, that's what I'm expecting. It's also like I'm even more terrified now with Lucas Cavallini going away in the summer because it's like, oh boy, well, at least we've got Dahomey who can play up front, but where is this striking backup and attacking backup to help? But what does Dahomey look like when he doesn't have a defense worrying about Cava? Like that, mm. that, that should be a, a bit that, of like, is that, as good as that will been? be a concern. Um, for me, the, the biggest issue here and I, I will just go back a little bit the number 10 i feel like the number 10 will help uh because it will allow and if he's a quality number 10 will allow them to hit the ball around so they don't have to chase the ball they can actually possess it because mm -hmm. chasing the ball puts them out of position they can actually have some formality uh formity uh with that with their lineup i think that that'll help there um when it comes to the homegrown question i'm sorry for the most part the homegrowns are doing their job uh, I thought uh, Habi Bula played well with the little bit he oh, was he on did. the field. Yeah. I thought Baldissimo did well to get back. He made a great uh, uh, play on Kyrie Shelton at one point in the box. He made a great tackle. Um, was early early shout-out to tackle of the year uh, for the awards. Um, so uh, I, I feel like, they, like the, the stuff they, they need to do is the top part of the lineup that needs to improve, and they need to get those players in. Other teams, if they're missing – their top players, like remember Kansas City a couple of years ago, who were missing a, a like a, a ton of players. Yeah, they also missed again. the playoffs. Yeah, they, and they, because they missed the playoffs, and, and so if a team is missing their top players or supposedly their top players, they're not going to compete with anybody in MLS because yeah. their MLS is top heavy. Look at we we, we talked about the salaries. How many of those teams have percent, the percentage is spent on their top four or five players? It's a lot. So their quality below is going to lack at that point. Yeah, and when you, and when you're not spending in, in anywhere near in that same range on those top players, yeah, exactly. Your depth, your depth is not is not as good. I mean, their yeah. depth is not as good. They have like no ten players, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. why you have to they have to spend better on these top players, so that elevates the players that are lower into better quality because they're playing with better quality up top. I, I think I think we all. I mean, that that whole thing which we didn't talk about last week is we talked about how much money they spent and how they went about it on like. You know, trying to get quality middle ground kind of players. I think it's it's just, it just simply hasn't worked. Like to this point, it just has not worked. They 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 need to change their approach, especially when they're able to have people in person in their stadium. <laughs> mm -hmm. They need they need they drastically need to do that. 
But going back to what you said and how like Robo used to say about this is the players that I've got and Mark said this is players that I've got. In Robo's case, he had not been given all this money on, to spend on transfer fees that Mark and Axel have. So for I, I don't think that Mark can use that as an excuse of, look, this is all I've got. Because it's like, well, you've built this squad over three seasons and you have been given money to go out and get guys. Okay, but to be fair to MDS, uh, to be fair to both, oh, both of them, I, okay, MDS, yeah, likely as we look at it or sorry, as we think about it without going over the fine numbers and stuff, with it, going over the numbers of the fine-tooth comb, yeah, it would appear that he's gotten more to spend on, especially on transfer fees. But they both had the same problem of spending so low in the league overall. Yeah. I, I mean, Robbo, in that sense, Robbo had it better. You know, in his early years, he was higher up in the league spending, right? Oh, yeah, because the other teams weren't like spending as much. Fine. Whereas Mark, I think, has always been at or near the bottom or like lower third the whole time and now at the rock bottom. Yeah. While, so whilst other teams around him are spending more. Yeah, on the actual salary, which is the actual, you know, maybe the, maybe, I'm at, again, I haven't looked at all the other squads and exactly how they got those players. So maybe most of those players are free and they're paying them more, right? Like, and therefore yeah, they're- Yeah, that is the case in a, in a lot of it. But to end on a positive note, I genuinely believe if the Whitecaps have the full strength... I can, yeah. I genuinely believe if the Whitecaps have their full strength starting 11 out there, they are a competitive team. It's getting them to start consistently, keeping them healthy and not burning them out. Is in this, the in this fictional team you believe in, does that include a new, like, number 10-ish player? It includes a new number 10, and it includes Ali Adnan. Oh, right, yeah. Any news on him? Or he's just still... Oh, he's, he's away playing for Iraq. Oh, yeah, he's with Iraq yeah. right now. So he, he won't be back anyway to the end of June. And then he has to quarantine when he gets back anyway. He's got a Canadian visa, he can come back here, no problem? Yeah, so oh, that's okay. all good. good. Good for him. You would yeah. hope, like... If his American visa is not sorted by the end of June, then you know there's something more to it. Yeah, well, but here's the thing. Even if it takes that long, like, who, like who's accountable for this? Like, the, like well, This US government is what the Whitecaps are saying. But I still feel the league could and should get involved in this. I, I, another Robo quote, which I think is still pinned on the top of my Twitter, is like, at a football club, like, if you're not able to be accountable, then you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong place. And there's, it just feels like there's not a lot of accountability for people who are higher up at that organization. Oh, my attempt to end this part positively did not work. Steve was right. <laughs> um, also, the thing is, is uh, like I, I don't see how um, he hasn't been able to get into the U.S. I, other than North Korea, I don't see another con- uh, person from another country that can't get in. Uh, should not be able to get in by now, especially an athlete. Especially when he's uh, should- playing as well. Well, yeah. If he if he was new to the league or something, maybe it feels a little more understandable. But the fact that like he was just there last year, he was there the year before. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, that was my attempt at ending ending positively. It didn't quite work. The Whitecaps dropped out of the top seven, the playoff spots, with that defeat to Kansas City on Sunday. What happened around the rest of the MLS West, and how will they fare in their next game against Houston? We'll be back. Chatting about all of that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for me. One of my all-time faves takes me back to my childhood, Adam and the Ants. That was a song from 1981 and it's a B-side to a song that we played a few weeks ago, Stand and Deliver. That is one of my favourite B-sides by them called Beat My Guest. And I thought that's an apt one to pick since that's exactly what KC did to the Whitecaps on Sunday afternoon. They beat their guests. But we'll have another Adam and the Ant song coming up to kick off the next part. But for now, let's turn our attention to what happened in the rest of Major League Soccer this weekend. I'm, I'm enjoying doing the, these reviews. We'll focus mostly on the, the Western Conference. And I've put kind of this up as a written piece last week. And I, I put it up just before we started recording the show on Sunday night as well. So you can check out the written version of this on AFTN.ca. But the Western Conference, it's been an interesting weekend again. It's seen Seattle continue steamrollering the the rest of the the conference. They're out in front. Another win for them. The Whitecaps, as I mentioned, dropped out of the playoff places. But everything in the West, and indeed the East, is so tight just now after five, six games for, for most of the teams. The results have certainly tightened everything up. The action in the West kicked off with LA Galaxy against Austin on Saturday afternoon in Carson, California. The MLS New Boys, they headed to the conference's most successful team. And the the Galaxy were pretty dominant and pretty comfortable in this one. Chicharito won a penalty for the home side in the 25th minute, picked himself up to take it, but Austin keeper Brad Stuver produced his first ever penalty save as a professional to deny the Mexican. But it did just feel like a matter of time before the Galaxy would open the score, and they did that in the 35th minute. Austin defender Hector Jimenez threw himself at a long through ball, missing it completely, injuring himself in the process, had to get subbed off. But that allowed the ball to come through to Sebastian Legette, who got onto it, coolly slotted at home the opener, and then, I mean, Austin, they were all huff, very little puff. And Kikuta Mani did have a, a chance to, to tie it up. He came on as a sub, drilled a shot narrowly wide. But, I mean, after that, I mean, LA hadn't looked great shakes, really. But Chicharito grabbed his seventh goal of the season in the 77th minute, aptly, finishing off a lovely Arohu cross. And, I mean, that was the... The first shot on target from either side in the second half. But that was pretty much all the Galaxy needed. Galaxy continuing to look good under Greg Vanny. Austin, though, maybe starting to, to show that thing that a lot of expansion teams show. They start off strong and then they start to fizzle out. Of course, they haven't played a home game yet, but any thoughts on this one, guys? Uh, the only issue I had with this game is I got... Uh, while I was watching the highlights, I constantly got confused because I didn't realize the Galaxy were green anymore. So I kept <laughs> saying, what's going on? Is the Austin in the lead or Galaxy? So, but other than that, I agree with you. I think Galaxy, I think I, I said Vanny was going to get some, like take some time to get kind of Galaxy organized to get to the team um, in order to play the way they wanted to. And I think he's kind of getting to it, but it is against Austin. You're right. 
expansion teams do start out strong because they kind of uh, people don't expect don't know what to expect from these teams because it's kind of a mishmash of yeah. players and everything around the league. And then eventually people do start figuring them out, find the weaknesses in them, and they're able to turn around on them. Yeah, I, I, that happened to me earlier in the, in the year, Steve, with uh, the Galaxy and their their kit. What, um, what do you make of their their kit? Because folk love it. I don't like it. No, I'm not. A, I don't. I don't. I don't like stripes. And as I've said before, that's tough for me because East Fife's traditional strip is stripes, and I just hate stripes. Yeah, no, I don't mind stripes, but this is was yeah. I, I, I They're very thinning stripes, are. Yeah. Mm. Next up was the team that conquered the Whitecaps on Wednesday, Minnesota. We touched on it earlier. They left it late, but they got past Dallas 1-0 in the end, clearly buoyed by that confidence-boosting win against the Whitecaps. It wasn't a great game, but Minnesota, they peppered Dallas with 27 shots, but it looked like they weren't going to get the breakthrough. Dallas had a, a couple of like counter-attacks and a few forays forward themselves. It was goalless going deep in injury time. And Minnesota had been pushing really hard. Renezo and Lode had a load of chances between them. They even had a handball shout and Matt Hedges in the box that was dismissed. But it was Robin Lode that popped up in the 94th minute, pounced on a loose ball. The Terrible defending on the line, really. You just want to kind of get your foot in it and clear it. He kind of just brought it down. The rebound fell to load and he, he poked the ball home from a th- about three yards out. Big win for the Loons. It moved them out of last place for the first time this season. Are, have they started to turn the corner? And how bad are Dallas? Minnesota had chances, but their finishing was horrendous. I just felt like, I, I feel like Minnesota still, they're lucky to face Vancouver. And they were lucky to face FC Dallas in this point. And maybe it, that's the thing that maybe gets them back to where they were last year. Uh, play a couple of weaker teams or teams that uh, that they can take advantage of and then kind of build that confidence for the next team when they face somebody uh, like at the top of the Western Conference table. So they, they seem to be lacking something up top. I don't know if the new players that they brought in to replace Molino are, are, are kind of building that chemistry so they... They kind of get it, but they're still lacking something up top. And I think that because they had chances, they had chances against Vancouver, they had chances uh, against the uh, FC Dallas, but they just haven't been able to capitalize. Any thoughts on that one, Zach? Yeah, uh, yeah, happy for Boxel, um, but uh, no, I think uh, I, I think yeah, Minnesota with the changes they've had, I, I think maybe it's taking them a little bit of time and. Hopefully they hit some run of form and can at least get you guys close to your target. Of <laughs> yes. Them, uh, I mean, MLS has shown so many times it's a league of momentum, it's a league of confidence, and you just string a few results together and you're shooting up the table. And Minnesota's started to, to do that now. The next game on Saturday was Colorado and Houston. And I won't delve too much into that just now because we'll look at Houston when we kind of preview the Whitecaps next game. But it's a 3 1 win for Colorado in the end. Houston looked absolutely terrible in this one, but they did leave a lot of their big guns out the starting lineup. The Rapids kind of tore the Dynamo apart in in the first half. The Dynamo were playing a five-man defence. A Sam Vine strike and a header from birthday boy Diego Rubio had them two up by the 36th minute, but then they were sloppy at the back and they allowed Christian Ramirez to drill home, pull one back three minutes later. And the Rapids defending in that 
when I was watching it, all I could think of was, well, I could see the Whitecaps doing that next week against Houston. Was that the big keeper gaff? The the big keeper gaff was to come because that was when Cole Bassett quickly restored Colorado's two-goal lead when the Houston keeper pissed about the back, third time he had done it in the game, and his attempt to clear was charged down by Bassett, who just the rebound fell off him into the empty net. Terrible goalkeeping. I mean, the, the second half, basically nothing happened. Ramos did make a quadruple substitution, though, bringing on all his big guns, but it was too little, too late, and three straight wins now for, for Colorado. Next match, nothing to talk about in this one at all. This was boring as hell. Thankfully, I didn't watch it in full. I just watched the MLS highlights. Real Salt Lake, nil. Nashville, nil. And you know the highlights are boring when in amongst the seven-minute highlights, MLS showed blocked shots, simple clearances, and goalkeepers just easily coming out to, to catch the ball. This was dire. Yeah, if you ever watch the 15-minute highlight packs, oh, it's painful. Oof. I, I can't imagine what they would do with a 15-minute highlight for this game at all if that was the seven-minute one. So let's move on from that. Saturday night ended with an enjoyable game. San Jose nil, Portland 2. Halftime, San Jose had 72.4% possession, but were 1-0 down. Jimmy Chara got a, an early goal for, for Portland. Nice little lob over the, the San Jose keeper. San Jose dominated this one, and I, they're going to be like, how on earth did we go 1-0 down? Also, fun fact, Chris Wondolowski picked up a first-half booking. He wasn't even on the pitch, he was on the bench. I, I like when that happens. Second he's, half, a grump, he's a grumpy old man now. Yeah, he is, he's like me. Second half started pretty much the same way. It was San Jose... Constantly on the attack, trying to get back in level terms. They won a penalty for handball, and Wando, who had come on by that point, his day did not get any better. He stepped up, but Timber's fourth-string keeper, Logan Ketterer, because Jeff Attenella is out for the season, with a season-ending injury now, so Ketterer was brought in as an emergency loan from El Paso in the USL, He'd never saved a penalty as a professional in his life. Denied Wando in his MLS debut. That's something him. he'll be telling the grandkids about. Yeah. This is uh, uh, two games in a row where Valeri didn't start. I mean, they got yeah. the result in both of them. but Or no, they got the result in this one. But uh, kind of interesting. I don't know if they're trying to save his legs a little bit with all the Champions League stuff. but Maybe. They didn't need him either. Because, I mean, talking about Kitterer, he did keep a clean sheet as well. Because it finished 2-0. Marvin Loria... Headed home, the Timber second in the 72 minute. This was a, a smash and grab from Portland, which if if you're the team that does it, you're like, oh, fantastic. That's how you play on the road. But San Jose, to have that much dominance, I don't know, they've been playing some nice stuff as well. But that, that defeat to Seattle, defeat now to Portland, two defeats to Cascadian teams in the space of four days, it's going to be playing on them mentally. Now, the only game on Sunday in the West, just before we started recording this, Seattle 2, LAFC nil. Seattle march on. First half was pretty dull, to, to be honest. I don't know how much of it you watched. Brad Smith missed a sitter three yeah, minutes made, before half time. He made up for it though, right? He did make uh, up for it though. 
I was out of the, the out of the park with the family, so I didn't watch the first half. But oh, you didn't miss anything. I mean, second half, two headers from the Sounders: Ariaga in the fifty-seventh minute, Smith in the seventy-third. Shocking marking, Whitecaps-esque marking on Smith for that second. He just waltzes in unmarked, header, two 0 I mean, LAFC, they're still not firing on all cylinders. Obviously, Vela's been out. He's just made a second appearance of the season off the bench tonight. They need to get him and Rossi back firing. But it shows you how much they rely on those two guys. And if they're not in form, and we talked earlier about top-heavy teams and guys not performing, LAFC is a prime example of that. Yeah, definitely. Even last year, they they had moments and they seemed like they were going well. But uh, the miss uh, Missy Vela for the whole year last year definitely uh, was a major cause of why they didn't perform. Now those results, they kept Seattle's Seattle's lead at the top, four points. They're ahead of the LA Galaxy now in second. Kansas City's two wins in a week has seen them move up to third, just showing that you just string a few results together and you start to climb the table. They're level on points with Colorado, who are three back now of Seattle. San Jose, Houston, Salt Lake make up the rest of the playoff places. I know it's early to talk about playoff places. Vancouver, though, fell out of the top seven for the first time this season, finishing the weekend in eighth spot. But that Western Conference, I mean, it is looking so tight. I mean, the East's looking tight as well. But, I mean, you look at the West... San Jose are fifth on nine points, and you go right down to the bottom, LAFC, five points. There's only four points separating fifth to 13th, which is incredible. Five points separating third to to last place as well. It's going to be tight, I feel, all year round. I think this is going to really go down to the wire. I I think there will be separation eventually, uh, especially the top, you know, sorry, the bottom, like three, four teams. There won't be that many in it, but I think that... Like I could see it You're going right. down to the the last day of the season as to who actually gets into the playoffs. I think uh, FC Dallas is right now my favorite for the spoon. Yeah, on the in the Western Conference more than the Whitecaps. And in the West, yeah, they're at this point, they obviously could turn it around. And are you, are you backing the Loons still to rise above? No, right now I'm thinking they'll be in the middle of the pack right now with the playoffs. Yeah, I think they'll get in the playoffs. I, I can't see past yeah, I don't Seattle th- right now. No, not right now. But you never know. Things can change really quickly. Remember, they're doing a reverse floundering. Right? Yeah. yeah, it could be. Oh, well, gonna- it'd be quite good if they just beat everyone the whole year because then it's taking points off everyone else. So we need maybe a couple of teams to do that. It's not a, cre- a crescendo. It's going to be a decrescendo. With a just- sound wave in Seattle. Quickly looking at the East, NYCFC in Toronto played out a one-all draw. I don't know how Toronto got a point out of this. NYC. Toronto, I saw those highlights, and there was a point where they, the the uh, Bono, the goal he let in, but it's like skipped off the turf, hit him in the face, yes. and it went in the net. And like somebody, it was easy deposited, and then later on. He kicked it off the back of uh, NYFC's head and went in the net. Luck- luckily for them, he actually jumped. Yeah. I think if he didn't jump, he would. And if it wasn't, it still hit him in the head. That's that the only reason ball. I can see that being called back. And even yeah. then, it was a bit harsh because yeah, so he wasn't he could, even facing the play. But he did look it back. An, it was just an instinct jump. Oh, yeah, I get, yeah, he, but, I yeah he, 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 he looked back and then he jumped. So I think that's the reason why it was called back. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, when I listen to some people out of Toronto and like they are not happy and Bono no. was one of the reasons. 
Well, oh, they, they've wanted Bono not to be starting for weeks. I mean, this has just added to it. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to his Champions League bundle that cost them yeah. the Champions League. Well, in, in this case, I will uh, uh, take a little bit of blame off him because bo- that turf is kind of weird and it kind of came, uh, it was an unreal bounce when it came off. Uh, yeah, it was unfortunate. But it just, yeah. when, you, when you're a keeper going through that, he, he even, like, the. TFC's goal, it came from Nova Scotia's Jacob, Jacob Schaffelberg yeah. and his first ever MLS goal. Bono tweeted out afterwards congratulating him, saying, oh, there's more to come from this lad. And I thought, I have to read the comments. And yep, it's fans going, well, hopefully this is the last we see of you. And it's like, he had to bail you out because you're a terrible goalkeeper. And it's like, oh, man. And, and Schaffelberg took off their newly acquired DP who was not having a good game. He's not that. had a couple of good games now. What, what did uh, Bono's mom say in response? Uh, she, <laughs> she hasn't piled in yet. She said it's the striker's fault. For it's us. not so much Alex Bono as Alex Ono, I think, is, yeah. is what it is at the moment. But NYC, 59% possession, 13 shots to 7. They should have come away with something for this, but yeah. they didn't. But this could be... Toronto's last home game in Orlando because their next two games before the split are away from home and the murmurs are they don't want to be in Orlando for the summer because it's too hot so they might have to look at somewhere else to play which isn't ideal because you're getting used to new surroundings again back up to Connecticut maybe maybe definitely not back up to Ontario no which is what they were maybe hoping for but I mean that's you're probably talking late summer if you're lucky to to get the teams back up here. It's all all in the border. There has been talk uh, that American and Canadian officials are having chats about getting the border back reopened if there's testing and stuff to, to show stuff. So that might help the, the sports teams at least. But can, yeah, I don't know. In Canada here, it feels like, I know lots of things it's are far off. Lots of positive things. Well, but... Bonnie Henry said she expects fans in the stands at sporting events late summer, early fall. That would be nice, I guess, but it, it feels so far away. She didn't say how many. It could just be this one single guy that we've talked about waving a flag. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love that she idea. She might I listen so, to her show as well. So badly want to do that. The other I want somebody, he... some, somebody to do that, not me. I don't. Want what about to. a what about a drum line, Michael? You want one of those drum lines that they had in Kansas City at their opening of their or at Cincinnati? No. That, that really was a case of welcome to hell. I, well, like, let's talk about Cincinnati. I was going to talk about Montreal next, but we'll talk about Cincinnati. They opened their new stadium today. They just like spending money in Cincinnati. Stadiums, players that don't do very well. And who would have envisioned the first goal in Cincinnati's new stadium comes from super striker Breck Shea. He took it well. Again, this is Breck Shea. He nearly had two as well. It got ruled off. A couple of years ago, uh, Breck Shea, when he was recovering from injury and he's at, at Miami or whatever, or I don't know if he was a part of Miami yet, but anyways, he, he didn't know that the team he was going to do some, try and get some match fitness with was in, I think, the third division. Yes. <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the rumors anyway. No, that's not a rumor. Oh, that it's is, not a rumor. That is, that's, okay. a, that's true. I'll, I'll I'm, he's had a later. tough time with it. I I am pleased for him, even if he if he didn't want to do the fun segments with me when I I tried to do it at BC Place one day. I mean, not that I hold a grudge, or that the voodoo doll cost his ACL tear. But let's let's just move on from that. Cincinnati did start 
their, their new stadium with a 3-2 defeat against Miami. Now, for two terrible teams, it was an entertaining game. Yeah, it actually, was. I actually really enjoyed the game. It was end-to-end stuff. But Miami still don't look great. And I, I think Miami have the makings, though, as they should with the money that they spent, of a team there. It's just whether they can get that consistency going. I think the Hegwin brothers, if, when they're playing together and they're both on fire, they're very interesting to watch. Yeah, the the uh, the equal the, the equalizing goals for for Cincinnati was nice. Hometown boy Nick Hadley yeah. powering in with a header, and then yeah, they just they give it up right away. Like if you're Jap Stam, if you had hair, you'd be pulling it out. <laughs> it's a shame. This was his first match where he actually was in Cincinnati with fans since oh, he yeah. was appointed head coach. It's just that's how, how crazy it's been. But th- what do you think of their stadium? It looks really nice. Yeah, it does. Totally. I was like, the aerial shots, I was like, where is the parking at the stadium? And then a different mm-hmm. shot, I saw a parkade on one side and stuff. I hope, I, I'm assuming they have really good transit to the stadium, but I did you, think did you so. See that one shot they showed from going from the university stadium, whatever they were playing in. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice shot too, just just to give you a, a bit of an idea of how far they moved. There, were, there was a video recommendation on YouTube for me, which was like, it was basically talking about the surprise of how good MLS stadiums are. And it's like, they, they now compare with Europe. And it's like, yeah, I think America's led the way in stadiums for umpteen years. It's like, why would this be a surprise to you? There are some cracking stadiums. I, I'd love to get to them all before I maybe move away or move back to Scotland or something in in a few years' time. I'll still do the show, don't worry. <laughs> or I might get the show to episode 499 and then just call it a day. <laughs> like, like the guy that did The Walking Dead. He got his comic to issue 199 and then was like, I've nothing else to write. I'm just going to wrap it up in this issue. <laughs> and I read the, the last issue... It's garbage. Anyway, don't don't start me on that. Amos um, does have some nice stadiums, but yeah, they, they they're some of them that I've been to that are the nicer ones. They're they they still feel a little bit incomplete. I don't know. Like I've been, have you been to? I forget. Have you been to Deadpool Arena? No, no. Right. Like, they, they, these are the ones I really want to go to. Like just off the top of my head, I, I want to see San Jose's new stadium. Oh, I've been. It, it looks it looks pretty good. I also like the banner that Ultras have behind the goal, counting how many deaths has been in Qatar of workers as a reason to boycott the World Cup. I'm surprised MLS have allowed that to, to be hung, but yeah, that sounds, sounds like that wouldn't fly in places like Cascadia. But the, the oh. stadiums, it's not it's a yeah, it's a fun place to go. But it, again, it's not a it, when you go, Michael, and you actually experience it in person, it doesn't feel like a complete ground because. It's a U. Yeah, it looks weird. And the open, the worst part is the open side, across the street, there's an airport. Yeah. So it's crazy windy, and it's just like... I liked not... Buckshaw, though. I was one of the few people that liked Buckshaw. Uh, I went to one game of Buckshaw. I I mean, it felt like a big squan guard, or like a 10,000... Yeah, per- I think that's probably why I liked it. It yeah. definitely did not uh-uh. feel like a major league stadium. 
I would say the LAFC stadium is one I want yeah, to, I would like to go to. Too. Obviously, sporting, I think you're probably yeah. in that same book. I think Austin would be interesting. I just like, well, I want to go to Austin, so I might as well go to the stadium if I'm going to go there. If the Whitecaps can somehow play there during South by Southwest, we've got that would be perfect. That would be perfect comedy. I think a lot of MLS clubs will be trying to. Well, assuming that's during the MLS calendar, I think a lot of MLS clubs will. When is it? I can't even remember when it is. I think it is about April or May time. Something like that. So yeah, I can see a lot of clubs being like, yeah, if we could get that date, our supporters would really appreciate it. I wouldn't mind seeing Orlando Stadium as well. It looks, it looks a nice stadium. You went to the big stadium in Orlando, Mickey Mouse, baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved that. Worldwide of sports was fantastic. The anyway. only thing about being in South by Southwest is they might Austin might ask to not to schedule any games. Yeah, they probably because they're, they're like very hotels, busy at that point. Yeah, hotels yeah. are going to be really hard to come by at that point. We'll get this section finished yet. Don't worry. Atlanta won. Montreal nil. The other Canadian team. No Canadian teams won this weekend. I've always thought it'd be fun to do a bet to bet on all three Canadian teams winning every week just to see how much money you would get by the end of the season. There used to be a a bet in in my neck of the woods in Scotland called the Fife Flyer. You would bet on all four of the Fife teams to win. Didn't come in very often. But Montreal, they're going to feel a little bit aggrieved at not getting anything from this one. They held their own. For much no, I of the game, well. yeah, I, I I didn't think Atlanta looked that good to be honest. They it, it all boiled down to what I would describe as selfishness and a lack of or self awareness. I don't know what it was. So four minutes into stoppage time, Montreal have a break. Eric Hurtado sparked it. He played the ball inside to Sanusi Ibrahim, and Ibrahim had a man either side of him, Eric on one side, not sure who it was on the other, selfishly tried to do it all himself, a weak shot in the end, and then Atlanta just went straight up the pitch, headed home the winning goal through Moreno, sent 40,116 fans into a frenzy, the biggest attendance at a football match since COVID began. Yeah, I feel bad for Montreal, I feel bad for Eric. Very Whitecaps-esque. I was the way they lost oh, I I can't wait to hear what our friends at the Ballers Round make of that. I tweeted them, and Eve said, "I can't do my reply because I'm not allowed to use those words on Twitter." I pointed out she's way more professional than me. I'd be effing and blinding like nothing else as soon as that ball hit the back of the net. Any word if Camacho was anywhere near that ball when it was scored? No, but he did have a flub in the second half that nearly cost him a goal, and I did think of Paul last week talking about that. But One yeah. More One more year, Paul. Yeah, it, it was tough, tough for Montreal. But New England finished the weekend on top of the pile in the East. They won 1-0 against Columbus today. Columbus are looking a shadow of themselves. That's what happened when you dropped the crew name. You apparently dropped your MLS Cup pedigree as well. The revolution of a two-point lead over Orlando. They were 1-0 winners themselves on Sunday over DC United, who still look terrible, but at least they've started to get some players back. The Lions moved up seven spots overall over the weekend with the way the results went, but shows you how tight the East is. The New England game, I didn't watch it all. I didn't see any of it. I had it on and stuff, and it kind of changed when Buchanan came on. They had... Oh. More impetus down that right side, and I don't yeah. think he made the pass for the goal, but they were much better when. I mean, I'm probably biased, but 
they were much better from that right side when he came on. For the Orlando game, there was a lot of shenanigans at the end. There was a lot oh, of time wasting. That? It's still going on Twitter right now. Like people are uh, from Orlando and um, time wasting. Uh, Orlando was time wasting a lot, and DC United fans were not happy. Apparently, they did something. I didn't catch it in the highlights, but they, I remember at one point the announcer goes, "DC supporters are better than that." Or something like that. And I think so. They must have done oh, something on the thing. I have thing. to find out. God, yeah, I try, I the tried only to two find games that. I haven't bothered watching anything this weekend. And then at, at the end of the game, when they blew the final whistle, the referee actually took his headpiece out of his ear because he was just tired. Of, I don't know if he was tired of listening to the guy upstairs or he just wanted to get this. Then he put it back in afterwards. <laughs> it was very funny. You can see that he was just tired of the game because he gave a lot of yellow cards at the end there, too. Oh, I'll check that out then. But the East, like Orlando's second on nine. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, all in eight points, which is NYC, Atlanta, Montreal, Philly, and Miami. So tight, tight, tight. Cin- a lot of parity in the beginning yeah. of the year. Chicago and Cincinnati, though, still winless at the bottom. So that, that's a roundup of what happened in MLS. Now, the next game for the Whitecaps is against Houston. So I mentioned they fell to a 3-1 defeat to Colorado and they looked terrible, but they did make a lot of changes after their midweek match. They they had Fafa Pico on the bench, uh, Joe Corona was on the bench, a few other guys whose names completely escaped me at the moment were on the bench, but basically four of their main starters did not start and they, they came off on in the second half. I don't think they can possibly be as terrible against the Whitecaps as they were against Colorado. They've had a mixed start to the season. Two wins, two draws, two defeats. Eight points from their first six games. They had been three games unbeaten before they lose. They lost to Colorado on Saturday. So I don't think you can take too much from that at all. But going into this one, these are the kind of games, like going into Houston... A team that you feel is going to be in or around the Whitecaps in the in the positioning come the end of the season. These are the kind of games that you feel the Whitecaps have to take something from. Not necessarily a win, but come away with at least a point from if they are going to be playoff contenders this year, I feel. And, and this is a good timing for them to play Houston at this point. It's not, uh, you know, at high temperature right now. Obviously still warmer than usual, but... Uh, uh, what they're used to, or so say, but uh, Houston is at this point is kind of mild uh, in comparison to what they are in the summer. So they're getting them at a good time, and so they need to um, essentially, yeah, like I said, they needed a result from one of these three games because there's three street road games. So I, they need uh, this result. Uh, it doesn't have to be a win, just a draw, just to get something. So they're not leaving this big break on a three game losing streak. Yeah, they've got six days between games and then after this, they're off for 27 days because they've got a bye week and then it's the the week for the international break. So 27 days off. So you, you don't worry, I feel, in this one, Zach, about players being tired. Just put out your best 11, surely, that you can. Yeah, you think they they have to go all out in going for this. Uh, I wonder because it's a 6 p.m. kickoff here, so maybe 7 p.m. It should there. be 8, 8 o'clock in Texas, which should be... A lot cooler. But it also means I think it will be one of those fly in the same day and fly out after oh, the no, game. Oh, no, it will be, yeah. Um, so I wonder if that'll, like you said, I wonder if that'll help them or not. But, um, yeah, like if you're MDS and you're the coaching staff, you have to be uh, getting the best possible group of players to go out and get some sort of result because you do have this huge layoff after 
hopefully you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, running players, you know, too hard or whatever, or, or people who are tired. Hopefully they can just be like, here's one last game, go out, give it 90 minutes, get us a result so that we can move into this long break on a positive. I, I guess the biggest questions are defensive side and midfield. Would you see there being a change to the front three or is he going to run Dahomey, Kava and Caicedo in this one? There's no point of changing at this point. Like you said, this is yeah. last game in a long break. You just go with the, the best, what you've seen this year. Maybe not the best in the last game, but the best of what you've seen this year. And that, that's there's really no options. Uh, I mean, prepared. Yeah, I mean, that is it. So like defensively, if Gaspar is good to go, you have to start Gaspar. If he isn't good to go, it has to be Jake, surely. I mean, he wouldn't risk Javane Brown, would he? Or do you move Bikel maybe even back there or Godoy? Just... I, I would be happy for Brown to get the start, but yeah, I, I think that's not very, very likely. I think Russell. I think Russell's coming back in. Yeah, I think that's happening. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't Baldi, mind. Baldy could replace Bickle, but then. Well, yeah, are... see, I wouldn't then Owusu. mind Bickle going to right back. I think Owusu he kept off today because he's like the game is gone. Uh, I don't want him yeah. to get hurt, and I'm going to start him the next game. So I could see Owusu being. Yeah, I could see Owusu coming in, Alejandre and Owusu to start, then bring Baldy on off the bench. Center back pairing. If Godoy can go, I bring him in now. Godoy, Ranko, they had good chemistry last year. They've got days to work and stuff together. You surely have to go with that. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I I, I go Godoy, but I I don't think Ranko has not shown me that much this this year, or especially in this last game. I don't know. Maybe go with Derek Cornelius. I don't think he's played that poorly, and it's just his second Derek game. Derek and Godoy. Yeah, Derek and Godoy. Derek uh, Godoy on the right, Derek on the left. I think that works better than put, forcing one of those guys on the left side. I would, I, I would like that personally, but I think it's more likely to be Ranko and Godoy if Godoy is going to get into the team, which he only got ten minutes in yeah. the, this is the Kansas City game. So is he ready for sixty against Houston again? If he's if if they're sure he's ready, because the other thing is like. The other pro-con, I guess, is if he does pick up a niggle, he's got three or four weeks to get ready for the next game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, maybe that's a good thing, which or a cynical way to look at it. But maybe you also don't want to – maybe you also want to give him those extra four weeks to get fully fit and have more uh, practice game practice or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see it being Cornelius and Ranko again. I mean, you, you said Steve Ranko hasn't shown that much – well, I not think... that he's shown that much, but I just feel like uh, um, in this last, this past game, I don't know what was going on with this past game, but he just didn't seem like he was, like, yeah. everything was there. There was something lacking. I, Maybe I it was think just he a, needs a that leadership beside yeah. him. Like somebody like Andrew sold Rose, the... someone like Godoy, and but I don't they... think Cornelius brings that to him. But the thing is, he was sold when he came here as being the youngest captain of his team. Yeah. Uh, when he came here, so he's isn't he supposed to show leadership as a young? Player? True. His English is his English has come on. Like he did the. Post. Oh yeah, his English is good. I mean, he needed to lean closer to the mic, but his English is okay. Yeah, like... they, ha they have big issues though with the the post game stuff. They they need oh. that in general. 
but, like, but I, I'm I'm good with either. I'm 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 just pushing for Cornelius a little bit, but I'm okay with Ranko being with Gray. It's not a huge uh, selling point for me. Based on Ranko's comments after the game, it'll be interesting because one of the things he said was, I like he essentially said I prefer to playing in a settled team that's like the same people every week. I think yeah. especially at the back, and obviously they're going through injuries and stuff, so you can't can't be as settled. But I, I, I wonder if he's if he's like a guaranteed starter for them. I wonder. If, I just wonder. We'll never know, but who he would prefer to play with in those positions at this moment in time with who's available. Yeah, I think he might say Godoy because yep. he spoke highly of him at the end of the season and how he enjoyed playing with him and he thought their game complemented each other. So I think Godoy would be his choice. I, I really hope that Gaspar, it's nothing too bad and that he's up to full fitness. It's... It would be such a, a, a big boost to, to the team. I was going to say what's the biggest concerns going into this one. I think we addressed all that, really. In the the first part, let's just wrap up with our predictions. And I've, I've worked out how we're going to do the predictions point scoring. So see what you think of this. So if you get the correct result, so if Whitecaps win, draw, defeat, you get three points. If you get the right scoreline, you get five points. But kind of tied in with that, so if you say Whitecaps 1, uh, Kansas City 0, and it's Kansas City 2, Whitecaps 1, you get a point for the Whitecaps correct scoreline. So basically, it's three points if you get the correct result, and you could score a bonus two points if you get the correct team result, but also... If you get the correct number of goals for a team, that would get you a bonus point. Do I get a bonus point if I get the the, the differential right? Like I say, 6-0 Kansas City and it's 8-2. Do I get like a bonus point for the differential? Okay, I'll give you a bonus point for that. Let's hope there's never an 8-2. No, so, well, what's your predictions for, for this week? Let's see, who started last time? I think I might have started last time. Let's start with Zach. Age Before Beauty. I got this Houston Dynamo song playing in my head now. Um... I'll go 3-1 Houston. I'm going to be playing that Houston Dynamo song in next week's show. And I think that it, it's a Dahomey penalty. Oh. I'll go 2-1 Whitecaps. I fancy 1-1. Probably a set-piece goal. But, again, Houston, they've impressed me in sports this year. But they were so terrible against Colorado. And I keep saying to myself, you can't read stuff into that. But they really, really were abysmal. They did give a, they handed a lot of guys their first starts and like first serious minutes and stuff. Can I ask a question about Houston? Sure. I noticed you know, when I was looking at the results and stuff today and going over stuff, you know, lineups and like like often will do. And on the MLS app for Houston in their game uh, yesterday, I guess it was uh, listed as their coach was the guy who's actually their assistant coach. Was Ramos suspended or away? Oh, yeah, he was. Um, he got sent off in yeah. their game midweek. Okay. So he had to watch it from the stands. I must have missed that. But that, I saw that and I was like, did something happen to Ramos? So, yeah. Okay. This prediction thing, if if uh, I don't finish first, I'm finishing last. Believe me. That is it for this part. We've got one more part to come. And we're going to go traveling around the world. Not with Houston's Joe Corona this time. Just on our own. Looking at some of the stories that's grabbed my attention over the last couple of days. And we'll be back with that after this. 
Hi, I'm Maxime Crepeau from the Vancouver Whitecaps, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. Kicking off this part, it's another song from our Artists of the Month at AFTN for me, Adam and the Ants, from their second album, Kings of the Wild Frontier from 1980, that was Feed Me to the Lions, which the Whitecaps felt had been fed to the KC Lions today in Kansas City. Just loosely trying to grab at any song to tie it into the Whitecaps' performance. But in this part, it's just going to be a shorter part. We're going to be travelling around the world. Some stories that, that caught my attention this week. I want to start off in the UK. And I want to pose a question to you two guys. What do you think Plymouth Argyle and coronavirus vaccines, what linked them this week in England? People who were coming to the game got vaccines? Not quite. What were, what were the two things? Vaccines and what? Plymouth Argyle. Plymouth Argyle, the team. And COVID vaccinations. Both have, I was going to say both are highly effective, but that's probably not going to be it. No. Steve was kind of close. So, Plymouth Argyle Stadium, home park, was a vaccination centre. So, on Monday... There was a drop-in, so there's lots of folk lining up to get their vaccinations. Also on Monday, Plymouth Argyle season tickets went on sale. So there was a queue to get Plymouth Argyle season tickets. And, as you can imagine, the lines ended up merging. Some people turned up at the front of the turnstiles for their vaccination. And it's like, no, we're selling season tickets. Some people turned up to get their season ticket, and they ended up in the vaccination hall. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. They should have tied it together in the first place. You I get know. your vaccination, you get your season ticket. It would have been fantastic. That's good. Uh, I just I heard that story later in the week, and I thought, oh, I've got to, got to tell you guys, because you wouldn't have heard that. Now, staying in England, did either of you watch the FA Cup, or did you see the controversial... VAR moment late in the game. I had the volume off, but I was watching the four Germans involved uh, and with anticipation also, of, of course, them trying to stop the the, the mark of the beast that is Man City <laughs> in the Champions League final. Oh, they, yes. They stopped them in the FA Cup, which was nice. But um, yeah, I, you're talking about the, the late goal, the late own goal? Yeah. Now, I, I wanted Leicester to win this. I don't like Chelsea. Yeah, but- I- yeah, 
But okay, first off, you gotta before you talk about VAR, you have to say, like for me, this was like one of the most beautiful own goals I've seen in a long time. For me, it was like a typical English own goal. And by that, what I mean for me, it brought back memories of the only time I've been to England was on my way home from the World Cup in 2006. And I was in England for like maybe 48 hours staying at a friend's house. And, and when I was at his house, all we watched was Sky Sports nonstop over and over again. And it was like early preseason or whatever. And I swear, every single highlight package had one or usually multiple own goals. And it just brought back good memories of that. Yeah, that, it, it was a comedy of errors, but it didn't count because when the ball got played in, there must have been like a centimetre of shoulder over the stupid line that that they use in England. I hate the, the line that they have in England for, for VAR. And I was so glad when we played the audio a couple of weeks ago from Howard Webb that said MLS are not considering that at all. Yeah. It, it ruins the game. If, if you need a line to see that a guy is a centimetre, a fraction leaning into the play, then it would never get called in, in normal time anyway. I just think it's ridiculous. I also don't like the new rule that it can be any part of your body that can score a goal is offside. I liked when it was the old feet rule. Because basically he's just offside because he's leaning He's just making a movement to go towards the ball. I was to gonna, to I was get gonna... a goal in the last minute of a cup final, to equalise, chalked off for that, that small. And I know you can say, oh, offside's offside, but come on. Yeah, that's stupid. I, 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 like, I, I hate that. I absolutely hate that rule. I, 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 I almost like it turns me off in the game. Whenever I see something called off like that, I actually don't want to watch the rest of the game. Yeah. That's how badly I don't. Um, one thing I will say about the own goals, uh, Zach, I was uh, uh, I happened to uh, see the highlights, and it was showing there. On the side of YouTube, it shows the FA Cup back in 2012 put out a YouTube video about the greatest FA, FA Cup own goals. And some of them are just I, – I clicked on that, and it was hilarious, some of those goals. Uh, there's oh, you can't you beat a good own goal. No. Classic, cl- classic moments in the and, and the video. The video's three minutes long too. It's not like it's like a, a minute video. It's three minutes long, so I, there's a lot of own goals in there. Mate, what what do you make of this VAR and the lines and all that? Okay, so um, yeah, I, I was going to ask you about the clar- clarification over the body parts and stuff because there was one in Germany this week. Germany doesn't always break out the lines for offside stuff, at least. In my recollection, uh, from this, I think story. England's really the only one that that sure. regularly does it. They don't break it out all, all the time. They will. So this weekend, I think it was, I think it was the Bayern's second goal. I think, uh, well, what would have been their second goal at the time was called back for offside. And this I'd never seen before. They broke out the line for it, and not only was it the uh, the line on the field, they then drew a line from the player defender's body part, like a dotted line. I think it was. And it was like from his armpit, so it made it look like his. I know uh, I had the. So it was basically the invisible line from the ground to the the sky or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. like it was like they made a mark where his armpit was or something, and the guy's foot was. Passing. Dude, I, and it's, it's, it's too much. Like I I know VAR's not going away. Yeah. I I I accept it's here. That's the future of the game. I miss the old human error. Yeah, it gave you something to moan about when it went against you. But that's part of it. It's like 
players yeah. make mistakes, officials make mistakes. That's football. But when you're when you're relying on computer technology, that the human eye, and some folk have said that when they saw the replay, it was clear it was offside. But that's from the replay because it's frozen. Yeah, and you still don't have a definitive angle that it's straight on. I, for for just, me, it has to be egregious where the player is like uh, one; his whole body is offside. For me, that's that's how that that's where you would need to review it. Like basically, like if it's if the referee can see that the foot is offside, then fine, he can call it. But in order to review it, it has to be like the it has to be very egregious. It has to be very clear that it, it was. But then you're gonna have to also re- redo how they're doing things right now because yeah. now. Yeah, no, I, that's what I want them to review. I want them to. Don't put the flag up. Don't call anything until after the play is done, and then put your flag up. No, no. If the referee sees that the their person's offside, then call it. I I want them to call it. If even if their foot is offside, then it's fine. But if it's if it's uh, in order to review it, the person has to be clearly offside. Like their whole body has to be offside. I know, but uh, yeah, I agree. I, I hear what you're saying. Now it's just weird because now they let every play go. Yeah. It's just kind of awkward. I'm surprised. I'm surprised games haven't had more like ten and fifteen minutes. I like added on. The, um, there was a game I was watching this weekend, and I think it was the San Jose game. And the commentator was going on about like the ball had gone through, and it was clearly offside. But the linesman hadn't put his flag up, so then the keeper came out, and it was a dangerous collision. So you've got a, a keeper having to go for that, whereas it was offside. So I, I. Don't like that that flag rule either, but yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up, get your thoughts on it. Let's move from the UK now. Let's go to Turkey. Are so many folk from the UK doing this summer? Congratulations, Atiba Hutchinson, Kyle Lahren, Super League champions with Besiktas, and this one went down with a wire. Three teams could have won the championship on Saturday. And at one point in the second half, Besiktas... We're no longer champions. They had to get a goal of an in goal difference. And they got that goal and they held on. And fantastic season from Atiba, fantastic season from Kyle Larn. Yeah, one uh, like Atiba, I'm just, just shocked every year like how, how well he performs at his age. Like the guy is I, I don't think he'll ever retire, it seems like at this point. Oh. Fantastic shape. Um you really wish for the amount of time he's played that Canada was able to, you know, put a better team out there for him. Yeah, because uh, he he deserves to have like a, be in a bigger stage so people could acknowledge him. But yeah, obviously very good for them. Uh, Kyle Aaron has has had a very good year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, with, goals galore. And and people are interested in bringing him into other leagues. So yeah, and, there's there's been murmurs Arsenal might be interested in him, or he yeah. might get a move to somewhere in England, but. Yeah, and and I know I know they've been doing a great job to uh, um, recruit Canadians over to Turkey too. So it could be like yeah. a kind of an outpost for Canadian players. It's it, uh, really happy for both of them. Yeah, I agree with you, Atiba, and, and having met him a couple times, he's like just a, a great person, a great person to talk about the game with, a great person, uh, like just generous with his time and just generous in in, in general. He. Um, yeah, and I agree with you, Steve. It feels like he's feels like he's you know in the same place he was like six years ago or seven years ago or eight years ago. He's playing at the same level. It feels like Kyle Lahren. I, I, I'm really happy for him because like he stuck it out, right? Like going to Europe is not oh, going to a different culture, a different league, different language. All this stuff is not and not an easy thing to do. 
and it's even worse when it doesn't go well for you at your job like yeah when you're when you're playing when you're you know you're not performing well you're not getting the results you're not you know doing the primary thing you're in the squad to do and so i'm just really i know he went alone and did some stuff whatever but i'm really happy that he stuck with it and has made the breakthrough and yeah hopefully that will pay off for him with um you know financially for him and his family and for uh, him to move to a like a yeah better league and more opportunities um i'm not i don't know if england is the is the best place to go i mean for exposure yeah i don't think so i don't think it's the best place for him to go as a footballer i think other leagues in europe uh, could be uh, could be better like germany or france um, or I think even the, even a Dutch league would I think somewhere in the Dutch league would be good. Oh, the Dutch league or was the Belgian league? I can't remember where he was on loan, but yeah, one of Belgium. Belgian league. So yeah, so maybe yeah, Holland, Germany, France, maybe even Italy. Like a, a like the game is so like scoring goals. Yeah, there. it kind of fits with him. Yeah, and, but it would stretch him also. I think. And yeah, that's more selfishly as a Canadian supporter as opposed to for him in his career, but. Um, yeah, really, really, really happy for both. One of the top Portuguese teams, you, I think you could do well there too. Mm. Yeah. Talking of Italy, let's just move a little bit over to there because I just want to mention this. Juventus, Super League club, the club that still will not leave the Super League. It looks like they are not going to be in next year's Champions League. I saw someone tweet out today, it's 99% certain they will not be in the Champions League. And it is going to cost them a fortune and they're 400 euros in debt, 400 million euros in debt, apparently. So that's, you reap what you sow. Aren't they owned by the Fiat family or whatever? I don't know, but they're they're massively in debt. So not making the Champions League's huge for them, not having the Super League's huge for them, but. Maybe maybe holding on to that money. Maybe they're still holding on to the money because they're not leaving the Super League. So they yeah, get to hold that's on. probably yeah. why they're not. So they can sue all these other teams for pulling yeah. out and get some money. The Super League uh, protests are continuing too. I think Arsenal oh, yes. had one and everything like that. I can't... oh yeah, and the Man U fans surrounded the Liverpool bus, and there was lots of stuff for that. But they were able to get the game on. But they, yeah. they still had the protests. But it's, it's still going on. Um, and talking about the FA Cup again. Um, uh, I saw some com- post-game commentary about how uh, Leicester City was more like a club because the ownership cares about the area that they live in. And yes. uh, I think Rio Ferdinand made the comment about how when the Glazers bought the team, they said that they were going to uh, be involved in the community, communicate and everything. And basically this year was the first year they spoke to anybody about the club. So um, he, he, he basically said that he, he basically made a point that when they bought the uh, Manchester United, they were trying to buy a franchise, essentially. Yeah. And that's something I know Zach hates that term. Mm-hmm. For the yeah. And the thing, about, the thing about Leicester, though, too, is it, it, it has, yeah, they've done some really good things, but they also aren't that different than some of these clubs that people hate. It's a foreign owner. Yep. They've they, spent money. They're currently being investigated for some dodgy dealings to do with sponsorship. Oh, I haven't heard that part. Yeah. yeah. But the but the but you are right, Steve. That they do they are are like the family that owns them is highly regarded because of how they treat the club as yeah. this community thing. That it's bigger than just yeah. business. They're they're more highly regarded in Leicester than they are in their home country, actually, because they're not very yes. well highly regarded there either. Yeah. It- but get I, folks. Why don't we throw another shrimp on the barbie? Cause we're heading down under. To Australia. What? Man of a million voices. 
None of them sound like where they're meant to come from. It always sounds Irish to me. <laughs> but yeah, I because I, I I feel I haven't got enough football to watch. I've just discovered that Australia's A League games are free to watch on YouTube. So oh. they've been starting at like 10, 11 o'clock at night. So I'm just left them on prices. They're not, they're not geo blocked or anything like that? No. On YouTube? Oh, wow. So it's been tremendous. I've watched it for the last couple of weeks and they're heading into the end of the season and into the playoffs. So I recommend that. The channel's called My Football. Yeah. I think it's legally being shown, but they're being shown anyway. Oh, and yeah. it is, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed it. Some cracking little stadiums. Carol Robinson's Western Western Sydney Wanderers are in trouble. They're outside the playoff spots looking in at the moment. And they lost against Perth Perth Glory this weekend 5-1. So if you fancy some more football in your life, check that out. Well, he's doing what he can with what he's got. Sadly not there. They were one of the top teams. Um, But let's leave Australia which not many folk can at the moment because of quarantine. Oh, Zach's got something to say. Let's make a quick stop in Germany. Oh, I was coming back to Canada, but let's go back to Germany. Let's go back to Germany. None of you commented on my message in our in our conversation, but... Um, I just ignore it usually if it's to do with German uh, football. Well, let me just find out what they said. Well, this weekend, Robert Lewandowski, also known as Robert Lewandowski, um, oh yeah, he set a record, didn't he? He called the record. Well, he like, broke didn't it. didn't Bayern stop the game or something? Yeah, well, uh, he beat it. Did he beat a Bundesliga record? Yeah, it was uh, the first time since Gerd Müller in the seventies scored forty goals in a season, league goals in a season. Müller did it in thirty-four games, and I think Lewandowski's done it in twenty-eight games so far. He's been injured a little bit. So he 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 equal or yeah he equaled the record from the spot unfortunately, um, but yeah when he scored two things two things that are interesting about what happened number one, Lewandowski's on four bookings for the season, one more booking would mean he missed the last game of the of the year. Oh, he, get this though he scored a goal, was running to the thing, lifted up his shirt to reveal a picture of Garrett Mueller with. Uh, Garrett, uh, Garrett forever on it because Garrett is older now. He's suffering from de- dementia and stuff, and didn't get booked, which I was shocked about. Shocked that he did not get booked. And then, and I think it must have been because they knew or they, the, the cause or whatever. Then, yeah, he he got called over to the sidelines where his his team made a mini gauntlet for him to like just run through and whatever. And there there was some criticism over it. But I think most people were just like, most people were like, well, I saw Manu tweeting about it and saying, you know, some people were freaking out. And, you know, I think it was in North America. They would have stopped the game and had like a, Mm. you know, a big. Yeah, because it did for Wando, I think. Yeah. But anyways, uh, he has one game left to actually fully break the record. And if he hadn't been injured, man, well, one, Bayern would be playing in the Champions League final, I personally believe. Two, um, I think he might have been able to hit. 50 or close to 50 goals but hopefully he gets one in the last game in the Bavarian Derby against Augsburg on Saturday which I know you all be watching at 6 30 of course Uh, yeah as all the games happen at the same time uh the end of the Bundesliga season has been great too lots of fun relegation European spots it's always good times check out the Bundesliga on Sportsnet yeah Lewandowski biggest path of destruction across Germany since the allied forces in World War II 
But let's jump in a plane, not an RAF one in this case, and we're going back to Canada now to finish up our roundup around the world. Because there's some exciting CPL news. Kinda exciting CPL news that, that came out this week. Wait, wait, wait. Is the season starting next week? The season's starting? Not next week. Maybe not next month. But this year, you know, they still hope to have a 28-game season. Season is scheduled to kick off late June, early July. Initially in one location in a made-for-television event, if you include one soccer as television. Some games will be on CBC. But training camps are officially getting underway next week, I believe. And it's, this hasn't said how many games are going to be in this location or where this location is going to be. But it's not going to be a tournament like Island Games. It's going to be part of the regular season. And no fans will be in attendance for this. But the hope is that they can get into their own markets later in the summer and that fans will be able to attend. Again, there's a lot of ifs and... They should get. They should. They should do the singular fan thing. Have one single <laughs> fan from each club in, in opposite sides of the stadium waving their flag. That'd be ideal. That'd be fun. Somebody's got to do that. Have you heard any rumors, Zach, as to where these games might be? Is it PEI again? Could it be Saskatchewan to help grow the game there? Yeah, I, I, I could see it being. Yeah, I. Well, I mean, you know, you know, we all know they wanted it in Victoria, or they're going. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen in the current climate, although I could be wrong. But um, yeah, I guess a place like Saskatchewan or back out east would make sense. But I, I haven't asked uh, in a while. Have you guys been following some of the like little updates from teams? Yeah, there, there's been a lot of people who have to cancel contracts because the, I guess they either don't know when the season's starting or they haven't been able to get visas and stuff sorted out. Who's got canceled? The one? Um, Valor's cancelled a couple. The one place I want them to do this is if they can make a temporary field, put it in Banff, Alberta, around the mountains, some kind of spot around the mountains. You're not going to have any fans there anyways. Why not just have it in a picturesque kind of Canadian landscape? <gasps> a and, floating and pitch on Lake Louise. That would, that, something like that would be perfect. Obviously, they're going to have to have divers to get the balls when they go... Uh, off the off the field, but well, there's quite a few divers a, in the CPL, and uh, they, they could get like a bug repellent company to be one of the sponsors. Yeah, that would work. I don't think there's that many bugs in the in the Rocky Mountains. There's, Play it at Drumhead. Not a, they, they, oh, the dinosaurs. Yeah, they, um, they, they got to do somewhere picturesque. Why not do that? Don't do it in a conventional stadium that's blank and everything like that. Yeah. Put it somewhere nice. Well, last time it wasn't really a stadium either, but. Um, yeah. A couple, a couple of new like notes. I guess I'll just give a couple. One is I understand Pacific has announced that Jamar Dixon's going to be the team captain. Interesting move there. And oh, and other- a, a big shout out to, to Matthew Baldissimo as well from Pacific, who's been called into the Philippines national team for their World Cup qualifiers. They tried yeah, to get Michael as well, but he's pledged to Canada. So, yeah. so, so Matthew has gone. And if he doesn't play, then he can still go and play for Canada. If he makes five appearances... For the Philippines team, he would qualify as a domestic in the Asian leagues. Oh, good for him. The other, the other CPL note I was going to say is uh, former GOATS 2 defender Dian Yakovic has signed with Forge. So he's looks like he's taking up the David Edgar spot of yes. elder in 
Canadian national team defender to maybe uh, help guide and lead their back line. I had a quick look. It was, to another championship. It was Ronnie Maza from Valor FC that had his contract oh. terminated this week. But I was pretty sure there was another one that Valor terminated as well. Oh, yeah, Valor terminated Nestor Mong oh. as well. Yeah, so so that was our, our trip around the world. I hope you enjoyed that. We'll do that again, probably when it's very quiet, which is going to be the coming weeks. But that's nearly it for tonight's show. We've still got time for this week's Wavelength and continuing our songs about footballers. We're going back to 1999, a band we featured before called Beer Zone and a guy that likes to drink a lot of beers. Although not so much anymore because he is a recovering alcoholic. It's about Paul Gascoigne from England. This is Gaza Gaza. Magic in the squad Because he's not a saint He won't get hit by God Gaza 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 Poor little Gaza just couldn't go Lost the plot Oh, I've lost the plot Lost the plot Really lost the plot Gaza 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 Oh, little Gaza just couldn't go He made outrageous claims Was sacked and made a bed To get back in his job But his claims were invalid Gaza 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 by Beer Zone there. You might recognise the tune, lads. It's the undertones Jimmy Jimmy that was in the charts 42 years ago this month, which really dates me because I remember it well and I have some of their other singles from that time. But that is it for tonight's show. Just before we go, tell everyone where they can find you online and if you've learned anything from this week's show, start with Zach. Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at ZacharyAM. And the one thing I learned, not so much from the show, but I learned this week is that uh, Peter Vermees uh, fancies a mustard jacket. Uh, oh, yes, we never talked about that. He looks like Paddington Bear, as I tweeted out. I don't know who wore it well. But then well, someone under- pointed out he also looks like the little boy from It. He's just missing a red hat for Paddington or a red balloon for the little kid from It. I, it he just really stood out today on the sideline in that kid. He could I, be in an Oasis tribute band as well. We're not sure. He might have been going to go and do a, a thing afterwards. Maybe. 
anyways, that, that's for me. Should, should wear that when he's playing Minnesota for the Wonderwall thing. Anyway, Steve. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And what I learned was that Superstore needs to extend their hours on the nights that Whitecaps play. Yeah, I've got five minutes to try and get down now before they close. I'm Michael McCall. I've learned I have no bread in the house. I can be found on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. And remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Why? Because in a couple of weeks, it's our very first quiz night. You won't want to miss that. We'll be back soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, be kind to people, and mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.